All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is the first episode of Behind the GM Screen. And you are? Sakura Draven. And I am Richard from Grey Wizard Gaming. And we are your GMs for this journey into um, storytelling. There we go. Um, our first episode is just going to be kind of a get to know us. And I think that our backgrounds is going to tell people a lot when they listen to an episode, you know, five years from now, they're like, why did they say this? They're going to come back to this and be like, oh, this makes sense because they're weird. Well, I'm weird. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, first of all, if you want to communicate to us, which we want you to, Please comment on this episode or any episode at BehindTheGMScreen.com. You'll also find access to our other social media. And if you aren't listening to us on a some sort of podcast client, then you can have uh, you can find links to all the most popular podcast link, uh, clients out there. All right. So, anything you want to say before we get started? No, it, it's all right. So um, this is her first time. So she's yes. a podcast virgin at this point. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to take it slow. We're going to take it easy. Yep. And uh, with that, how did you get into tabletop role-playing games? Uh, through a partner at the time. Yep. I was thrown into it pretty, here's your character, go. And uh, that was a terrible way, terrible way. I didn't know anything. I didn't no at all didn't understand dnd didn't understand vampire the masquerade which is what i started had no idea so is, is that the recommended way you introduce no. people no 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 this no. is one of the reasons why i liked becoming a gm because i could bring in new people because i knew the bad way of doing it and i could do it in a more how old were way. you when you when you first played uh probably 22 okay that's a uh I think it's still a prime time when people develop new habits in their life. Yes. I, uh, I was eight years old. I got some birthday money and I had played in one role playing game that there was no rules and there was no dice. Interesting. And it was, I was being babysat by my friend's older brother. Uh -huh. And he ran this game based off of Red October. Okay. So we're in the house as ourselves. <laughs> and what? The uh so we're we're us. And <laughs> then the um I guess World War Three starts. <laughs> and the Russians are invading. So, um, it was, it was very cool. It was a very interesting, okay, how would we, as the, I guess, young teens, right. um, get through this scenario where the parents aren't coming home and, um, and whatever. And we didn't make it very far <laughs> because just working through the, the like problems, mm-hmm of getting to, I guess, Canada or whatever. I don't, I'm not sure we didn't, I mean, we didn't, who knows where we'd go. It could, could, we could have gone anywhere because mm -hmm. it was so just storytelling in our heads right? that, 
but I, I'm, I feel like, um, normally you'd want to get out of the United States if, if we were going to have a war on our soil and your parents weren't coming mm -hmm. home when you're a kid. But, um, so I got birthday money and I went to the game store and I bought the first edition player's handbook of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I'm old people. So, <laughs> so that was the new book. That was the new, uh, and I didn't know anything. I hadn't, there was no internet. There was no right. way to find out about role-playing games other than me desperately wanting to play and not knowing how to get into it, but hearing about this thing called Dungeons and Dragons. Right. I, uh, did you ever watch the cartoon? No. I, well, years later. Okay, yeah. After many, well, I, many reasons after the fact. Sure. So I, uh, I had the toys and I watched the cartoon. So I, I had seen the cartoon and I had then played this game with my friends who told me that it was like Dungeons and Dragons. So that's all I knew mm. was this weird little cartoon and this, um, this Red October mind that's a very journey. interesting start to your role play experience. i think it, i think it i think it was good yeah yeah because there was no dice and there was no well dice are amazing no i i mean i love dice i mean right here behind um baby cthulhu is just you know i think five pounds of dice so i, I love dice but i feel like new players if you want them to be role players as in role mm -hmm. i think take away the dice when you first introduce it to them and then they'll see the value of dice because dice are a great arbitrator yes of deciding chance yes and uh, i think the last thing anybody wants to get into is a um, debate with their dungeon master about i believe that this should have worked mm -hmm. and they believe it should not have worked and um, let the dice fall. Let Just the dice make, fall. Make that decision. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, but that's how I that's how I got into tabletop role playing games. Is uh, I did not own a dungeon master guide, and I didn't know the existence of a dungeon master guide. <laughs> you only had half of what you needed. And uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at the first edition. Um, I have. Okay, so uh, back then they really believed in keeping secrets from the players. Mm -hmm. So there was no um, there was no Thacko tables, there was no explanation of how the game worked because right. all you needed to know was how to build your character and the dungeon master had to know everything else. Yes. And I, I think that it is, it is very interesting when you are a player and the dungeon master says, roll a d20 and you roll it and you say, I got a nine mm -hmm. and the player doesn't know if that's good or bad. Yes. But when you got into second edition, third edition, fourth edition, fifth edition, and you taught the players everything. Now the players absolutely know I need a nine or better to hit this goblin and I need a 12 or better to hit the chief goblin. And that's the introduction of metagaming. And that's then, yeah. So you're totally changing your behavior yes. entirely. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I had to make up like I knew there was a void, but I thought it was me. I thought it was just too dumb as a, as like an eight year old kid <laughs> to understand how to play this game. <laughs> and so I taught my friends how to play Dungeons and Dragons with a dungeon master guide I made up in my head without knowing there was such a thing. 
and um, I had to, I had the dice, mm -hmm. and we just rolled things, and I kind of, I kind of, um, I predicted what a rule set might be mm -hmm. based off of the modifiers on the character sheet. I was like, this is how this would work. And then I bought the second edition Monstrous Compendium, and I didn't know why the numbers didn't match up. <laughs> Which was because I was a dumb little kid. I might not have been too dumb to understand the rules, because I just didn't have the rules. Right. But I was a dumb little kid that didn't understand that the, uh, the small print first edition and the small print second edition right. were significant. Yeah. Um, how long did you play White Wolf before you experience a different game oh uh so i'm relating this to the first question we agreed on questions i'm just yeah no that's a good one uh i was probably doing being a player in white wolf that was our primary game for a while maybe eight years before we started introducing um star wars rpgs uh the uh d20 one or the original d6 one D20, okay. I believe. It was very long ago. I feel like it's the better one anyways. <laughs> it was very long ago. And D&D &D was always in, mixed in, but that's not a game that I played. Sure. I stuck with the White Wolf because that's what I understood and that was easier for me. I, uh, I liked White Wolf um, and it, it occupied the majority of my, um, I would say, cross-gender gaming. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think definitely the only games I played with women or girls, uh, teenager, high school years were always white wolf games. Um, I played riffs and that's such a number crunchy, yes. just crazy, um, very meta game kind of thing. Um, again, apocalypse kind of end of the world thing. Um, but White Wolf, I probably played 60, 70% of my time. And it um, it was fun by everybody. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody could relate to it because it's set in our world. Yes. Not And, you know, vampires are cool. And vampires are cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, um, I think in the long run, I ended up playing Dungeons and Dragons more. Mm-hmm more content, less behind the scenes, like falling apart stuff happening at the company or whatever, doing yes. weird stuff, you know? Um, but I definitely, I definitely like White Wolf. And I think that the reason why is because White Wolf is closer to my first Red October scenario of telling a story in my head in our world. Yes. Where thing, crazy things are happening. Yes. Yeah. So how long were you a player before you became a dungeon master? I would say about maybe 10 years. I was a player for a long time and my partner right. at the time was always the GM and he wanted a break. So I tried my toes at it and my very, very first game as me as a GM was with 10 people. It was all his family members. Is that also what you recommend? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I do. I can now handle a high player count. I love high player counts. I can adjust my game to that. Um, my sweet spot is I like five players. I like, a, I like that in, in the middle. So six people in the room, five mm -hmm. players, one, one mm -hmm. DM. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I killed two people very first go 
like like first scene, I didn't understand the combat balance and killed two players right out outright. I was like, okay. So I had to take a moment and readjust and learn mm -hmm. um, because I had all the stories in my head and I wanted to do the stories and the mechanics of the game was still a little lost on me. So uh, I would run little one shots here and there, different uh, cities and what's, whatnot. Nothing really in depth, just something to have a break from. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I created my pirate game that that all changed as far as me being a GM and what I was really trying to get out of it. I, so prior to my red October game, I would draw monstrous people. So I grew up watching He-Man. Hmm. So I would draw lots of humans mashed up with animals. Yeah. Cause that, that was my back. That's what I enjoyed as a, as a kid watching cartoons. And I would hand them out to the other kids in the neighborhood and tell them their powers. Oh. And then we would play as these, as these monstrous mm -hmm. people. Um, so I feel like that is, to be honest, like my first like dungeon master kind of experience. Yeah. Cause I was like running this like LARP, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, but, uh, otherwise I, I played one time as that red October game and saw like a formal, you're not acting it out. Mm -hmm. You're sitting at a table and you're imagining in your head. And uh, then immediately I was making up a fake Dungeons and Dragons game. I, uh, I've been usually a game master the majority of my, of my life. I, I do feel like, so my friend says he's a horrible player. He hates being a player because he says that if, and if Jason listens to this, so he'll, I'm telling your story, Jason. Um, he says, if a horde of goblins attacked the neighboring town and people were worried that the horde of goblins were coming to, to their town, he says he would move. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's not a hero. That's not his mindset. So, uh, I, on the other hand, I would, um, I would be like strategizing, uh, strategizing the, um, like ambushing and, mm -hmm. um, supplies and like all this stuff. Like I, I'm too super into this kind of stuff and I, I do play a decent player, but I'm an honorary player. <laughs> I really am an honorary player. You give the GM something to deal with. I, I am. I am. I'm, I, um, if the player says, or I mean, if the dungeon master says, this is why for game balance or this is why and then gives a reason that mm -hmm. makes sense inside the game world either one i'm like okay that's fine but if a gm is uncertain and they try to tell me the rules say so but they don't <laughs> i will spend a few minutes googling and finding, and then I will say, wait a minute here. You're like, a rules lawyer player. But not a rules lawyer trying to get a benefit for myself. I'm just trying to say that if you don't know the rules, don't pretend to know the rules. <laughs> and just say, I don't know. I'm going to say, let's agree to do this to move on. Mm -hmm. And we'll look it up afterwards. And if the rules say differently then let's do it that different way. And I'm, again, I'm totally open to that, Yeah. but I'm, I'm really against lying. 
or protecting your ego. I'm mm. like, I'm big on just like, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. And so I feel like I'm not the best player for a new GM, mm, no. a, an experienced GM I found typically will not defend their ego mm -hmm. and they will just say, Hey, can somebody look this up? I want to keep the game going, look it up and just let me know afterwards. So I don't, so we don't stop. Cause this is a really good moment. Yeah. That's exciting. Like everyone wants to have a fun time. Yeah. Um, but new GMs tend to, tend to kind of like fib a little bit or pretend they're like, Oh, um, I didn't mean to kill the players. So then they start adding in like weird things or they realize that their big boss of the adventure got killed like 30 minutes in and they're like, Oh, I wanted 40 minutes, like four hours of game. And so they start like doing weird things. And I'm like, wait a minute, but you just said this on the other, like, and this isn't even, sometimes it's not rules, right? It's just about <laughs> keeping the setting consistent. Yes. And it's like, you just said something five minutes ago, but now you're saying something else. Can we just like take a break <laughs> and then like reset a little bit? Oh, you're one of the fun players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I've generally been the game master mm -hmm. in most games. Um, but, uh, but with, with experienced people who are willing to have like tough conversations and sometimes that means saying, Hey, let's agree to do it wrong mm -hmm. as a group so we yeah. can have more fun. Absolutely. And that's great. I, I want to have more fun. That sounds an easy, easy decision. Um, all right. So why did you want to be a game master? At first, it was to give my partner at the time a break, but when I got the spark of inspiration for my pirate game, uh, everything changed. I liked being a game master that could bring that collaborative storytelling to guide the players to react. I love when the players throw me off course because I love the improv, improv that I'm now forced to create. And also seeing the players do small little things and then I weave it into the story in a big way. It's that storytelling. It's that sitting down with everybody. Um, I love being behind the screen and being the facilitator of that. And a lot of the players that I played with were military veterans mm -hmm. with PTSD. And it created a focus for them. And it created a lot of positives for them. From week to week, I'd give them homework and they'd go and have something to focus on for their week until the next session. And that, that is what switched it in my brain where I was like, I am doing more than just sitting here telling a story. Yeah. And that's where I, the pirate game really facilitated that for me. That's great. I, uh, I wish, I wish more people with PTSD and things had the time. Yes, it because, is hard. Right. Because in our society, if you're not part of a, an organization that's paying mm -hmm. for your time. A lot of times you don't have opportunity to even, even yes. recover, but, um, lots of, lots of studies have shown role-playing games as being a, an excellent uh, tool for it. Yeah. And I've seen it firsthand. So, um, I wanted to be a GM because I grew up being this very introverted child around all these extroverts and, my, um, my father had a, like a garage full of comic books. And so I would just, I just poured through those comic books and pretty soon I was getting through the comic books faster 
then I could, um, like there just was no more. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to books. And so by six years old, I started reading like Stephen King and things. Um, because my mom liked Stephen King. And so I was just grabbing anything I could, like I was desperate for like media to consume. And so pretty soon, because I was exposed to the storytelling, storytelling medium through the format of novels. Yes. And then like combined with comic books and cartoons, I had this idea of the hero's journey the arcs, the um, prologue and epilogues that I, at the time I couldn't have said what those are, but I approached uh, game mastering as a way to create these new epic tales. I loved Greek, I loved Greek myths. I loved all these things. And I really, um, I really wanted to create what I felt like was were structured stories mm -hmm. yes, and uh, follow the journeys of these, of these characters that are typically either heroes or anti-heroes um, played with villains. I'm sure we'll have an episode of villains or oh, villains as players and stuff ones. like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, that's why I wanted to be a, a GM like right away. The moment uh, the moment I played that Red October game and I was introduced to this more structured format, mm -hmm. that was it. I was I was hooked for twenty something years. So, um, what do you get out of being a dungeon master, game master? Like I said, it goes back to helping veterans and people who have many issues, uh, mental health issues. That's creating that structure, that creative outlet, that guidance is something that I really, really enjoy. On the other hand, too, I'm very good at bringing in uh, partners. Uh, many husbands play and their wives stay home. And I'm like, well, why don't you invite her? She's not interested. I bet I can make her interested. And then I create something that they can then go on and enjoy as a couple. I like facilitating. For me, GMing is more than just telling the story. It's getting people to communicate and connect on a human level that we often don't do with our screens now. Yeah. Screens being phones or? Phones, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm very, sometimes I feel like I don't really, um, like almost like I, like I view the world through a screen mm -hmm. of my eyeballs. So for me, um, if like, it'd be so easy for me to go into a, like a corner mm -hmm. and just read and write and then eventually die and not <laughs> like, like ever have interacted with humans at all. So for me, I'm going to create stories no matter what. Um, that's, that's what I care about. I want to create meaningful art that evokes emotions. And part of the biggest part of my art is stories. And to, to do that, I could just write novels. But if I do it, either, um, either filming my sci-fi series or running a game at the table, it forces me to interact with other humans 
And that gets me out of that shadowy corner mm-hmm. where eventually I would just die as a, some sort of writer by myself and instead form these meaningful like relationships that have really helped me to overcome my like autistic didn't talk background. And I don't know for sure that um, medium level autistic people can come out of their shell by playing role-playing games. But for me, it really helped. And a lot of my behaviors are watching other people that I've interacted with and seeing how they overcome or work through challenges. And so it, it gives me a framework for, okay, if somebody says this, this is a normal frame of, of behavior that as a, as a, as someone between a medium and a high functioning autistic background, I don't often know how to, how to behave. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's what I get. I, I get human, um, human, human connection and interaction that I wouldn't normally like I can be an artist no matter what, right. but I feel like a game master is an artist. Yes. Well, like, I, mean, I, I agree with that. I don't see myself as that, but yeah. Well, I think that if you we were- We are creating stories. You're creating stories. It's, it's one thing if you were just playing Arkham Horror. Yeah. You're not an artist when you're playing Arkham no. Horror. And if you bought a stack of modules and you didn't add anything- I have nothing wrong with, with modules. Mm-hmm. If you take a module and you take players and then you run this whole campaign where somebody says, oh, well, I want to turn right. Well, the module only explains what happens when you turn left. Right. If you're, if you're not able to handle them turning right and you just say, I'm sorry, guys, you have to turn left. <laughs> Well, you railroaded them and that's unfortunate. Maybe that's all you can do. And that's nothing, nothing against them. I would say that dungeon master or that game master is not necessarily an artist. No. They might know the rules of the game and they might be playing it, but they have not yet started to contribute their own like artistic contribution. So um, I think that anybody that is able to improv on the fly (laughs) <laughs> to the all the all the crazy things players say and do, uh-huh. you're an artist. You're you're an artist. <laughs> all right, I'll take. You would that. be an artist in any like theater, mm-hmm. in um, improv shows, anything. You'd be an in- artist in anything else. So why not call you an artist here? I never thought of it like that. So, all right. Um, is there any other questions you came up with about ourselves before we wrap this episode up? No. No, I like what we did. Yeah, I, I do too. So I think this is this is just the beginning. So definitely, while I, I feel like most people will find us in a future episode anyways, <laughs> if this is the first episode you got to, you know, maybe get to know us a little bit, then uh, um, stay, stay listening. Um, post topics you think you would like us to cover. Yes, ask questions. Yeah, ask questions. That's, to me, that's the best. That's... Yes. I mean, I don't know, a hundred years ago, you would be an artist and the only responses you would get were, would be the, your friends and family. Mm-hmm. And here 
um, we have an opportunity to, to interact with hundreds or thousands or millions of people. I'm excited so, for that. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, everyone. So with that, if you want to comment, give us questions or feedback, then please go to behind the screen. What's the domain name? <laughs> you forgot our name. Behindthegmscreen.com. I'm sorry, people. This is our very first episode and it's going to happen. We were also sitting down for the first time together. Yeah, exactly. This we is, met the, each other for the first time today. That's it's yeah. I mean, Let's we could have a, a whole different we're, conversation. We're fine. There we go. All right, everyone. Um, with that, bye, everyone. Bye.